Hello, and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. Uh, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your co-host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what is shaking? Uh, well, this week's episode, uh, it, it broke me. Oh no! Done. You find you finally done it. You finally gone and done it. I thought Godzilla would take me out. It didn't, but here we are. I got it in fifteen, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I finally did it. I broke Libby's brain. Uh, what specifically broke your brain, though? Like, what's 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 going on? Well, it was Wild Wild West. It was <laughs> the film Wild Wild West. Isn't it, it destroyed me? Isn't it always Wild Wild West? Uh, so this is our third, fifth episode. And then in, in our fifth episodes, we like to do something a little bit different and just stray from just picking one soundtrack. And this episode, the theme is Will Smith Raps the Movies. Yes. Throughout the 90s, there was a, a trend towards having your film wrap up, literally, with a rap song. You saw it in uh, The Addams Family, The Addams Rap. Uh, you saw it in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with the ninja rap. And there was one man, though, who rose above all the rest to become the king of the movie wrap-up rap, and that is Will Smith. The Fresh Prince himself. He, the Fresh Prince is the king of the movie rap, ironically enough. Yes. Uh, and so tonight we are going to be discussing in, in detail and at length uh, all of his uh, greatest movie hits. Uh, so, Libby, where do we want to begin with The Fresh Prince at the movies? Well, we want to begin with our poll. Oh, that's true. We do so have a poll. Up. Back it on up. Okay. So last week, uh, last episode, we talked about Beavis and Butthead to America. Uh, how did our poll shake out? All right. Well, people had a lot of fun with this, which I really appreciate. Um, we had we had to pick four songs uh, from the soundtrack. I know that uh, Joe, you posted one for "Gone Shootin'" as a uh, as a fifth entry. Unfortunately, yes. it didn't make the poll. Uh, but with fifty eight percent of you voting, the best song on the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack was the Red Hot Chili Peppers covering "Love Roller Coaster." I'm honestly surprised it was that low. That should have been one hundred percent. Well, it, it, that's kind of uh, it. Kind of ran away with the whole the whole poll, didn't it? Yes, but still, fifty eight is low. <laughs> um, Two cool guys by Isaac Hayes and Lesbian Seagull by Engelbert Humperdinck tied at fifteen percent. Wow! And White Zombies, Rat Finks, Suicide Tanks, and Cannibal Girls got twelve percent. Oh, I know some people are going to be real mad about that too. Mm. Mm. Wow! Oh well, don't care. Yeah, uh, Beavis and Butthead is old news. The new hotness, however, is uh, Mr. Will Smith. So where do we want to start with the works of Will Smith? So before the Fresh Prince moved to Bel Air, he was hanging out in Philadelphia with DJ Jazzy Jeff. And they had started to make a name for themselves and were asked to record a song possibly for Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master. Mm-hmm. So they laid down a track called A Nightmare on My Street. It was the, actually the third single 
from their second studio album, He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. So they were already pretty well established by this point. Mm. And this is where it kind of begins. Their great love of movies and rapping about them. Or specifically, Will Smith's great love of rapping about them. Well, yeah, let's go Let's go to a clip. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell About this guy you all know me as we scared as hell He comes to me at night after I call into bed He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred He wears the same hat and sweater every single day And even if it's not outside, he wears it anyway He's on when I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm asleep I can't believe that there's a nightmare on my street So... Uh, yeah, A Nightmare on My Street is unique among all these songs because it's really kind of the uh, Will Smith in character as the Fresh Prince. And he tells a story about him and Jeff taking their girlfriends to go see Nightmare on Elm Street, coming home. And the story goes that he starts to be uh, haunted and terrorized by Freddy Krueger. And he describes Freddy Krueger and talks about, uh, basically describes sort of the concept of Nightmare on Elm Street. My favorite detail in the song is, or my favorite uh, line is, um, he he, wear, he wears the same hat and sweater every day. And even if it's hot outside, he wears it anyway. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's like little, little observational details like that. But it tells a whole story about how, you know, he goes to sleep and, and tangles with Freddy and then wakes up and discovers that, oh, my God, the whole thing was real. It's basically the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, although at the end uh, of the of the video... Uh, Freddy Krueger kills DJ Jazzy Jeff and he's like screaming over the phone like wake up Jeff wake up and then Freddy Krueger is like I'm your DJ now and actually put in the sound clip there but one of the, the details I liked about this music video um, was that it doesn't look like the Freddy Krueger we know it's sort of like if Freddy Krueger was played by Billy Idol yeah, and I, in his, my notes, I kind of I wrote down that he looks he's a punk rock Frankenstein. Yeah, and his uh, his glove is actually uh, turntable needles. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh my so god, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Well, there's but, a there's a a perfectly valid reason for him to look like that, and it's because legally, contractually, they weren't allowed to use him use the actual Freddy Krueger, because the song was eventually rejected from the soundtrack to Nightmare on Elm Street Four. In favor of uh, the Fat Boys song, Are You Ready for Freddy? And then Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff just naturally decided, well, we'll we'll make a video and put it out anyway. And oh boy, that landed them in a whole heap of trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Line sued them for it, sued the record label for it, and then uh, stole, the way, stole the video away and hid it for 30 years until only like last October... A VHS rip of it showed up on the internet, and I think that's the, the official version that you can watch on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. It, it's hosted on Jazzy Jeff's like own YouTube page, and it's just a crappy VHS rip. But there it is; you can go watch it, and it's it's a really fun video. I like it a lot. Yeah, and and it's interesting. Um, some of you may have seen in the the New York Times Magazine about the day the music burned which was about the 2008 universal fire that destroyed just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh masters of jazz artists spoken word artists uh just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things which some will never be heard again those masters no longer exist Mm. they're gone there is stuff that we have never heard and now we'll never hear 
And so when you think about the idea that this video was destroyed and one person just happened to save a copy. Right. It's, and it's entirely possible that the master tape of that video was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And this video, I think, I think I read that this video really only aired once or twice originally. So someone got lucky and taped it. And we, that's why we have it today. Yes. So again, our refrain, physical media is so important. Keep your DVDs. Keep your tapes. If, yeah. If you're keep a, circulating. If, exactly. I was yeah. Keep circulating there. the tapes. So um, this kind of thing is really important. And again, um, you think about MySpace losing all of that music. Oh yeah, really. So, um, we don't we don't know how much is lost to time because film stock is flammable mm-hmm. and hard drives can fail and. Things can things can get lost. So it's, I love it though when people find these old uh, these old prints and these old old videos that you wouldn't think anything of, but uh, yeah, somebody just happened yeah. to tape this video and now it's the sole remaining copy. Yeah, that it's 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 amazing. I always love it when like you read in the news that you know they found some rare print of a silent film, but they found it in a film vault in you know Ukraine or something, someplace weird like that. Yeah, like not. It's not like a a famous film was found in a Hollywood vault. It's like some random guy over in East Asia had it in his basement, and now we have it for posterity. Like, that's yeah. just, I love stories like that. I do too. Uh, lost cartoons, lost PSAs, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And especially when you think, you know, you look at your DVD collection. How few of those have been transferred to Blu-ray? How many mm-hmm. have been transferred to streaming? How many v, you know VHS cassettes do you have that never made it? to dvd and before that you know how much film is out there that we haven't seen are there yeah. other will smith raps that we just don't know about it's entirely possible let us know if you find one in your basement please yes um <laughs> but but yeah no what? video oh. video rot and dvd rot like those are definitely things especially in 2019 you know mm-hmm. D- those these things don't last forever so preservation yeah. is is so crucially important um Absolutely i, I want to tell one quick story about this song like a personal story sure so back in college uh i worked for for a solid six months or so i've worked at a movie theater which is the best way to murder your love of cinema by the way (laughs) like it's great you get to go see movies for free but also you have to work at a theater and it's soul crushing Uh, but during the halloween season the regular like overhead music they switched it off from like the you know the the radio hits and they turned on like the halloween mix the corporate halloween mix and nightmare on my street was one of the songs and so as an usher going into these empty dark movie theaters to go clean them being the only one in there and then all of a sudden hearing the the nightmare on elm street and like thinking that somebody's gonna pop up around a corner and just stab you it's like legitimately frightening, and I, I didn't think I would think that about a Will Smith song about Freddy Krueger, you know? Yeah, that's really funny. Um, this is actually the first time uh, in doing research for this podcast. This is the first time I'd heard about this. Really? So this is kind of a fun treat for me. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I actually really like the song a lot. As goofy and silly as it is, like early Will Smith is just like that. Yeah, it's delightfully silly. Um, yeah, like that was kind I'm... of his 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 gimmick. His shtick was that he's like the fun the fun nice nice kid rapper. Yeah, so I like that. Um, but this, what really sets this one apart, other than that it's the first one, is that it's uh, the only time he will rap about somebody else's movie. Yeah, yeah. So he is not, he was not in the movie. 
So he was just sort of, you know, uh, Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff were just sort of hired to make a song that, you know, ended up not even being in the movie. Mm -hmm. So this really is kind of set apart from the rest of, of Will Smith. It's unique, yeah. Yeah. So subsequent to Nightmare on My Street and the whole New Line snafu over the song, they were approached by New Line Cinema to star in a movie that they were producing that uh, Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff eventually turned down, a little movie called House Party. (laughs) And they said, uh, uh, yeah, no thanks. Probably because of uh, what they did to their song. Yeah. And uh, but but don't cry for uh, Will and Jeff because uh, they 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 landed on TV pretty quick pretty soon after this. Yes, uh, and that's where we have our next song. Uh, so 1990 brought us uh, "Yo Home to Bel Air," which is uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme. Mm-hmm. So let's um, let's play a clip. I have a feeling everyone knows this one's going to sing along. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. Now, Libby, do you know how the middle verse of this song goes? I have never seen a single episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so no. Okay, so you don't even know how the song goes. Okay, that's Well, I mean, great. I listened to it. <laughs> so you know the full theme song. You know, he yes. gets gets bullied in Philadelphia. His mom sends him to Bel Air. He meets a cab driver in a funky cab, and he takes him to the house. That's pretty much the song. Yeah, and the cab driver's uh, license plate is fresh. Exactly. And there is, a middle, there is a middle verse, if you listen to the full song, where he... Talk, he raps about how great it is flying first class and how bougie and, and yes. uh, fancy it is. And he's <laughs> drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. It's a, it, but it's a legitimate, like, full song. Yeah, well, is, it is was... what I'm saying. Yeah, well, mu- and musically, it's, uh, it's kind of funky, which we can attribute to the fact that it was written by Quincy Jones. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're always going to get something good out of Quincy Jones. Oh, yeah. So sometimes it'll be crazy, but sometimes it's, it's always going to be good. Yeah. And this show ran for, I want to say, six seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Fresh Prince was a, a bigger hit than I think anybody figured it would be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never seen an episode. I should probably watch it. It seems cute enough. It's, it's, yeah, I, I remember liking this show a lot as a kid. It's, it's just kind of one of those um, uh, poor it, – it, it, the whole premise is like poor kid lives with, a, with his rich relatives, uh, culture clash kind of show. Yeah, um, so. it's 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 a good time. But what sets this one apart, as we as we slide into the Will Smith, we will we know and love. Um, this is an intro to the story. This is basically the prologue, as opposed to the end credits wrap up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it tells us what's going to happen, as opposed to what has already happened. So we still haven't figured out yet the Will Smith formula. Right, he's still kind of playing with. You know how the the style and the form of how to tell us how to tell a story, as far as a, a, a rap song goes. Not that he doesn't know how to do that, but describing the plots of something that you know already exists is a little bit different than making up your own story. Yes. Uh, so, and that's all well and good, but the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme, like, is one of those songs that, like, you bust out the first couple of lines to that song, and people just start going. Like, everybody knows it. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it. Everybody loves it. Yes. Like our, people are generation, I should say. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like it's up there with the uh, the Full House theme. 
Yeah, it's like the Full House theme and probably the Family Matters theme and then the Fresh Prince theme. <laughs> did the Family Matters theme have lyrics? Yes, it did. Okay. It's been a long time since I watched Family Matters. It's a Where rare, does it rank as far Libby, as the... It's, uh, a, it's a rare tradition in this day and age, Libby, to read any good news on the newspaper page. That's the first two lines of the song. Wow. How does this rank with uh, the uh, dinosaurs album? Ooh. Well, the dinosaurs theme song itself doesn't have lyrics. No. But the album, but the so album is, has so many lyrics and is such a different beast. And I feel like you're teasing me right now. I am. Uh, Joe, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever no, I want. No, I can do no, whatever no, I want because no, I'm a dinosaur. No. Okay. (laughs) You may be right. You may Uh, be right. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Fresh Prince of the Bel-Air theme is like a 90s classic. It's one of those things like when 90s nostalgia really kicks into full gear, uh, it's going to come back. I think it's already back. BuzzFeed quiz about this somewhere. How many like, lines? How well the... do you know the Fresh Prince? Yeah. <laughs> if you're under, if you're under forty, there's no way you don't know the Fresh Prince of Bear Lair theme. Except Libby, apparently. <laughs> Unless your name is Libby. Moving on. <sighs> Moving on. Uh, so not long after Will Smith left the Fresh Prince of Bel Air for Greener Pastures, uh, he landed his first big movie role as Captain Stephen Hiller in a little film called Independence Day. Now, Libby, you and I are fans of this movie. We are huge fans of this movie. And the fact that this will air on July 4th is beautiful. Is beautiful. And I wish... Insert any any, uh, Will Smith monologue you want in here. Wait till I get another plane! I'm lining all your friends up right beside you! But no, so Independence Day... I I feel like I'm going to take shit for this. The one and only problem with Independence Day, Will Smith does not rap in it or about it. That's fair. Uh, the Actually, I'd say the only problem with Independence Day is that it's not nine hours long, because that movie could go on forever and it would be great. It's too short. It really is. It, that is that is honestly, that is the great American movie classic. It's mm. it's amazing. <laughs> it that is, movie's great. It is the To Kill a Mockingbird of, of American cinema. It really is. Other than, <laughs> Other than To Kill a Mockingbird. Honestly, Independence Day is up there with Roadhouse. Of like movies mm. that I just I love. I will like stop and watch. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just great. They because they are they're wholly American films. Yeah, you couldn't they, you couldn't get away with it in any other country and it's just it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, they're but, just they're these big loud dumb American films and and Independence Day has Jeff Goldblum at his like sort of second wind of peak hotness. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking fine in that movie, and that like that movie probably cemented in my mind like the exact kind of man <laughs> that like tall glasses. He is King Daddy Supreme, mm. Jeff Goldblum. He's the reigning king of daddies. Ryan Reynolds is the prince. Anyway, we could we could gush about Independence Day all day long, but the fact of the matter is there is not a rap in it, which is a no. shame, a damn dirty shame. Yes, yeah, so if any of you want to write a rap for Independence Day, please do. Yes, because honestly, whatever you want to rap about Independence Day is going to be interesting because that movie is insane in the most delightful way possible. Yes, yeah, so happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day. We love you. 
Yes, you are forever in our hearts. Independence Day Resurgence is the dumbest fucking movie I've ever seen in my entire goddamn I, life. I literally just said we weren't going to talk about it. I just had to put that out there. It is. It suck. It it sucks worse than it sucks worse than a Dyson vacuum. Okay. The point, <laughs> but the point is, uh, Independence Day does not have a rap. But the the film that Will Smith made the very next year does have a rap, and I would argue it's every bit as good as Independence Day. It's Men in Black. Yes, let's hear a clip. The good guys dress in black. Remember that, just in case we have a face to face and make contact. The title held by me, MIB, means what you think you saw, you did not see. So don't blink, be what was dead is now going black suit with the black ray bands on. Walk a shadow, move the silence, guard against extraterrestrial violence. This song is so fucking good. It's so fucking good. It really <laughs> is. I. I went back and listened to it. I hadn't heard it in years, uh, but I went back and listened to it for this and was just astonished by how well it held up. It's helped by the fact that uh, the original song that it samples, Forget Me Nots, is also very, very good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Like, say what you want about Will Smith, like, sampling songs. He at least picks good songs to sample. Yeah, and sampling is a is a big tradition in, oh, in yeah, hip-hop, absolutely. so... Um, and this won't even be the best song he samples. No. And but it's still this song is is wonderful. So Libby, what's what is the song basically about? What's the gist of it? Well, he sort of runs down what the men in black do, that they are your first, last, and only line of defense against the worst scum of the universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so while not wrapping up the movie itself he talks about the actual organization one of the things i really love about uh this video is that we have a return of our old friend tommy lee jones yes who plays agent k and he actually appears in the video not just in footage but appears in the beginning of the video uh, to describe what the men in black do and then but it's kind of redundant because then uh will smith goes on to rap almost the exact same spiel Yes, but but it helps that like the two there, the two of them are there are there together, like teaming up to basically present the movie to you as like, please come see our movie. I'm a little disappointed that Tommy Lee Jones didn't rap, but maybe he just can't sanction that kind of buffoonery. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful callback! I love it. <laughs> i I cannot I cannot imagine Tommy Lee Jones rapping or like doing anything fun. For that matter, maybe it's because like he's so good as K that you just kind of buy him as this grumpy old man who's never had a day of fun in his life. But then yeah. I kind of just think that's Tommy Lee Jones. Like he's not playing a character. <laughs> he just seems kind of grouchy and Texan. Yeah, yeah. So I bet he's fun at karaoke though. I bet he can bust it out. I mean, he. I, I was reading up about uh, the third Men in Black film because I watched Men in Black three last night because I realized I've never seen that one. Men in Black who like to have sex with each other. No, that was Men in Black 2. <laughs> uh, Men, in Black, Men in Black 3. Um, doesn't have a Will Smith rap song. We'll get to that in a minute, though. Uh, but I did read a quote from Tommy Lee Jones where they were talking about the, the possibility of making a fourth one before they made this awful thing that's in theaters right now. Uh, where, where Tommy Lee Jones said, like, basically, yeah, I would be up for it. These are fun movies to make. And I just don't see him as being the one to say, yes, I'm having fun. 
Yeah, especially he after says, 1995's Batman Forever. Yeah, exactly. So if he says he's having fun, maybe I should just take his word for it. Yeah. So uh, I want you to picture, all in your head, I want you to all picture Tommy Lee Jones. I want you to hear his voice saying they're fun to make. Just try to imagine what that sounds like. You can't. Imagine your great. Imagine your grandfather just saying, "I'm having fun." Yes. <laughs> and so. which is very easy for me because it, in my head, Tommy Lee Jones always kind of sort of looked like my own granddad. So that's that's sweet. So it, it, it's like it's really hard for me to watch No Country for Old Men because he looks so much like my granddad in that movie. Aww, <laughs> it's really that. sad. So um. This song is so great to bust out around Halloween. And mm-hmm. if you play this at a Halloween party, like people really will dance. It's got a great dance beat. It's like his flow is really good. He It's just the bass line is so good. And I know that goes back to Forget Me Nots, but it still like it just works. Yes. Um this really this is the high point. Mm-hmm. This and is the peak. Even though it's so basically he's you know, we we've had a couple Attempts, but here he has peaked. At, this is the this is of all the other movie raps. This is the top one. You know, we've got the we've got the ones from the Adams family. We've got them from uh, Ninja Turtles. This is the king of all movie wrap ups. Right, and we could maybe some some other day do an entire other episode about movie raps in general because that mm-hmm. that field is huge and ridiculous. And it was, but it was such a small time that we had that. But it was this very specific. And Barry Sonnenfeld directed Most both the them. Adams Family yeah. movies. He directed Men in Black and Men in Black Two. He directed Wild Wild West. Yeah, so it's mostly his fault, is what we're saying. <laughs> so, but he gave us this gift for a brief shining time. Hey, man, it was the nineties. That's your excuse for everything. But it's true. <laughs> So, um, Men in Black also is one of those movies. It has held up remarkably well. I mean, it's you kind of look at it now, and because I watched Men in Black Two and uh, Wild Wild West sort of back to back. Ooh, I'm, why? I'm so sorry. <laughs> you did this, and so you could see kind of Will Smith's shtick. Mm-hmm. But it's still like there's something so fun about Men in Black. And it's still funny. All of the jokes still land. The one that always gets me is when uh, Agent K is arguing with Frank. You busy, Frank? Sorry, K. Can't talk right now. My flight's leaving. Wow! Get your paws off. Call the pound. We got a stray. Uh, the, the dog owes my friend money. <laughs> the idea that like he'd be assaulting this dog because this dog <laughs> owes him money. <laughs> How does the dog owe him money? How is that making this better? Just cracks me up. The whole mm. movie cracks me up. Oh, God. I'm just going to gush about Men in Black now. Like, every little thing in that movie is just so well put together. Like, like, like Vincent D'Onofrio is the villain, plays this, like, alien cockroach who walks around New York City wearing this, like, farmer. He's wearing a farmer's skin as a, as a costume disguise. It's very ill-fitting, and he can't. And like his yeah, and his like skin is like falling and peeling off him in in odd directions, and he's he's kind of moving in a very herky jerky kind of style, and it's such a weird performance, but it works so well because you absolutely buy it. Vincent Afrio is a genius. He really is. There actually there was a uh, an article I think it was from I want to say it was from Vulture came out last week where they interviewed D'Onofrio and Barry Sonnenfeld about that performance, and they basically described 
the history of how they put that character together. And it's a really fascinating read. We'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, my Men in Black story, mm-hmm. uh, I've got a couple. Um, I saw this on a date with my first boyfriend, Ben Lackner. So, and I think it was during this movie he realized that he loved me. So, Aww. I know. It was really cute. Um, my sister Hillary, who I've talked about before, this sort of continued her mad crush on Tommy Lee Jones, uh-huh. uh, which sustained her for many years. And um, for my bachelorette party, my girlfriends, Beth, Corey, and Heather, uh, we did kind of a scavenger hunt. There was an app you could get, and you did this, you know, kind of scavenger hunt around uh the uh the financial district where we were while we were down uh doing our scavenger hunt we realized we were in front of the brooklyn battery tunnel ventilation building formerly a standard oil building also known as the men in black uh headquarters oh no (laughs) i don't remember anything else after that hmm i wonder why (laughs) so i have i do have my picture with my little bachelorette party veil in front of the uh, Men in Black building. So I will tweet that out later. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Yeah, it's, it's right down in lower Manhattan. Worth, so, a, worth a visit. Where is it? In lower Manhattan. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, real quick, let's talk about, because this is kind of the peer, the point where Will Smith and his movie songs start to chart on the Billboard album charts. Uh, this Men in Black song specifically did not chart on the Billboard Hot 100 because they never actually released it as a single, which seems crazy. Why? To me. Wait, which? Yeah, that's so weird because like they made a music video for it. Yeah, we'll talk about the music video in a minute because it's weird. But they didn't like officially like release it as a commercial single, so it didn't appear on the Hot 100. But it did. It did chart on like the Billboard Airplay chart where it hit number one and basically topped the charts in every other country they released it in. But like. Why didn't they release it as a single? Yeah, well, somebody please explain that to me. You have gold. That's why weird. wouldn't you do something with that? I know. So, and I remember this song being played at like a lot of dances and stuff. Like I remember you couldn't. There was the, during that summer you could not escape this song. It was everywhere. Well, I mean, not not to get into that whole this whole t- subject, but uh, like Will Smith music is like it's some of the only rap music that white kids can dance to. Yeah. Or, no, or rather, know how to dance to. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because like if you watch the music video, the little dance number they do in the video, it's basically the electric slide, right? Yeah. Let me see you just bounce it with me, just bounce with me, just bounce it with me. Come on, let me see you just slide with me, just slide with me, just slide with me. Come on, let me see you take a walk with me, just walk it with me, take a walk with me. Come on, let me get that work. Where Will Smith and the alien that like pops in to the Mikey. video, Mikey, which is also a weird choice because Mikey gets fucking obliterated in the opening scene of that movie. Yeah, I, I always kind of wondered about that. I've never liked that decision. No. Because you're um, like, they're going to kill him later. Yeah, he's going to run him down and kill him out in the desert. Uh, but yeah, they, they have a little dance number with Mikey and it's a really neat kind of... Because I remember at the time it being a big deal because it was like a CGI character that they programmed to dance. And yeah. that being like a big like step forward in animation. And so. it doesn't look, I mean, it doesn't look great, but it doesn't look particular. It doesn't have that like that very dated look the way if it was like a stop motion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's convincing enough. Yeah. It's funny, though, that any of us remember this video, though, because at the end he neuralizes you. 
Which is such right. a fun touch. It, it really is. And he's and he's like, he feels bad about it. He's like, sorry, click. Yeah. Oh. This, the video is great. The Men in Black is just such a such a classic film. It's I always think of it because it's one of the last films as we start to see the decline of practical effects. Yeah. And the move into CGI. Well, and you're right. It's it sort of peaks as where movies were still summer blockbusters were still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And things start to kind of decline. Like even you know we've talked about Godzilla a lot the last couple of weeks, um, because that was you know supposedly one of these big summer temple movies. It's they're just not fun anymore. These big movies they're just they're they're big and they're bleak. They're, they're big like, and they're oh. blink and we expect it. Like it's not it's not novel anymore. Yeah. So or, or maybe we're just old. Maybe, but Men in Black. Is still such a delightful film to watch. It really it's is. so enjoyable. And one of the great things about, like, all of Barry Sonnenfeld's films, and he mentions this in the interview that I mentioned earlier, is that, like, he doesn't believe in making long movies. Like, Men in Black is 90-some minutes and you're out. Yeah. And, like, it's – you can watch it in an afternoon and, and not feel like you've wasted your entire day. And it's just – it's such a breeze. And yeah. I really appreciate that about it. And it's funny. There's a, a great tone to them. Mm-hmm. And they're just there – Everyone can can kind of enjoy them. Yeah. So. So the Men in Black video uh, was directed by a guy named Robert Caruso. I'm sure you're probably not that familiar with. Uh, never I heard went, of him. Never heard of him. Me neither until today. Uh, went to his uh, Wikipedia page and said he had directed a couple of music videos for Green Day and a couple of music videos for like you know Will Smith, and but on the whole that was it. But then I found his personal like production company's website. Where it says he has directed over 40 music videos hmm. um, to, for artists like Soundgarden and Public Enemy and Mavis Staples and John Lee Hooker. And so then I started to look up Soundgarden music videos and I started to look up who directed these videos. I could not find his name anywhere. And I did the same thing with Mavis Staples and Public Enemy. And I'm starting to wonder if how how true any of this is or if this has been like i've been flashy thinged at some point and i just can't find or remember any of this it's weird that is weird yeah because i mean if you look at at his wikipedia page it mentions men in black Mm -hmm. just cruising and he was the co-executive producer of longview by green day right that's it and um, I think IMDb also mentions that he he personally directed the video for Welcome to Paradise for Green Day. So he's definitely – like there's some, some corroborating evidence there. Also, IMDb says he directed the video segments for the Sega Saturn video game based on the movie Congo, which itself is like the best thing I've learned all day, that there's a video game based on Congo. <laughs> That's amazing. If anybody has this game, please tweet us these uh... – Tweet us, uh, would love to see it. Yes. Sorry. And um, the last thing I'll say, according to the Internet Music Video Database, which I just found out is a thing, his production company is listed for only one music video, and that's Freak by the band Silverchair. Our friend Silverchair. Yeah, welcome back, guys. Thanks a lot. So... This is going to confound me because, like, I need to know. It's not that, like, I don't think he's lying about this stuff. It's just I don't know why... His credits aren't available. Yeah. Did you direct these fucking videos or not? Answer. Or, yeah. Or Answer didn't us. you? 
which is, but it's double weird because like the next two videos we're going to talk about are directed by like super prolific music video directors that you've almost definitely heard of, which I guess is as good a segue as any to get us into uh, our next film. Libby, take it away. Oh boy. So our next film slash song is uh, Wild Wild West from 1999. And I don't know how to describe this because this broke me. I have been thinking about, and, and Joe, could, you can corroborate this, I have been thinking about Wild Wild West all week. She's been sending me Wild Wild West gifs on Twitter for days. It's just, I don't, I mean, I, I have an MFA in creative mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. I have a critically acclaimed novel. I am a music journalist. I am the managing editor of the largest paper in Otsiko County. And I somehow lack the words <laughs> To describe Wild Wild West. It is so fucking crazy that, like, it it's sort of like, it's like drunk history. <laughs> Where they're like, and then, then, you know, the general was like, fuck this. We're going to charge in. It's like that. I, I just, I'm trying to think. It's like, okay, so there's, there's Will Smith and he's a, he's a. Uh, okay, let's just. U.S. Let's just set this up like as rationally as we possibly can, okay? So off the heels of Men in Black, Men in Black made all the money. So and much then, money. And then Will Smith and Barry Sonnenfeld were basically given carte blanche to go, okay, make whatever film you want to make next. Okay, we want to remake the t- this TV show from the 60s called Wild Wild West and turn it into a sci-fi action comedy starring uh, Kenneth Branagh. Or at least the top half of Kenneth Branagh and as much CGI Hamlet. as we can fucking throw at the screen. It's insane. <laughs> this movie was directed by cocaine. This yes. was like this was like the last movie that was officially directed by cocaine. Yeah, and it's just I don't know because like I'm trying to figure out like okay, so he's he's not a U.S. marshal, but he's something like the equivalent. Yeah, because Kevin Klein, uh, Artemis Gordon, is a U.S. Marshal. Mm-hmm. And so there's a really racist guy that's just a torso, and Kenneth, or, uh, sorry, and, and Artemis Gordon is in drag, and there's like a whole thing with fake boobs, and then there's a giant spider, <laughs> which is a whole different topic, and they invent flight. And Selma Hayek is there, and I like. I feel like this is one of those things like you dream when you're on Nyquil. <laughs> like you just wake up, you're like, I had this weird dream that like Will Smith was there, and it was the Wild West, and um, Kevin Klein had fake boobs, and then Selma Hayek was there, and you could see her butt, and then it was Hamlet, but just like the top half of him, and he had spider legs. <laughs> Libby, snap out of it! I know it's just, this movie broke me. It broke me. It's it, it's it's absolutely I've ridiculous. I've done nothing but think about this movie, and it was weird because my husband actually had this. I'm like, oh, I'll have to see Wild Wild West. I'm pretty sure I was not allowed to see Wild Wild West for Aaron related reasons. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Yeah. So this was a film that like I, I I I missed it when it came out in theaters. Like this was the summer 1999 was the summer of like the Phantom Menace 
and the South Park movie. And like, there's a whole sort of feud between South Park and Wild Wild West. We don't even have to get into that. <laughs> but like, I caught this on HBO, uh, you know, one, uh, the year later when it came out. And I, you know, just 13, 14 year old me was just transfixed by just how strange it was. And I watched it over and over and over again. So this movie has been infecting my brain for like 20 some years. Welcome to the party, Libby. Yeah, it just, it really does. It, it gets in your, like, in your head. And the first time I really, like, really gave a lot of thought to this movie was um, Aaron and I went and saw Kevin Smith uh, give a talk. We've, I've seen him twice. One was for Jersey Girl. And one was, uh, he was talking about the film A Man for All Seasons as one of his favorite films. So huh. think think about that, won't you? Thank you. Okay. But at one point he talked about uh hold on let me, uh john peters he talked about john peters the producer ah, i was wild, hoping wild you were West. gonna i was hoping you were gonna bring this up yes and kevin smith had written a superman film and for tim burton yes right? which is everything i would have loved when i was about 19 and everything that i now hate oh yeah oh yeah this is all bad. Um, but John Peters didn't care about Superman. He didn't care about the comics. He didn't give a shit about anything except for a giant mechanical spider. Right. Like, he, the one thing he wanted was that Superman had to fight a giant spider, of, just of some kind. Yes. And that was, like, his the, the hill he was going to die on, basically. And the film died. It was like, no, we're we're not we're not doing that. So Kevin Smith says, you know, a couple of years later, he saw Wild Wild West, and there was a fucking spider. I I, I love the way he he like delivers. He's like, and lo and behold, in the third act, hey, there's a giant spider. So <laughs> so John Peters got his immortal uh, his giant spider. Was it worth it, John? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Answer us. Um. So, this film, yeah, I just I have a, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this film. I, <laughs> it's it's very easy to look at film from where we are now and be like that shit's problematic. Oh yeah, this one felt like it went out of its way to be problematic. It's homophobic. Mm-hmm. It's it's transphobic. There's a lot of jokes about Kevin Klein being in drag. Including an extended sequence about them touching each other's boobs, uh, the fake boobs that uh, the Artemis Gordon wears when he's in drag, um, and the joke is just like, "Haha, there's a man in a dress. That's icky." So it's mm, um. And then on top of that, it is just like flagrantly racist, which I understand because obviously, uh, Spider Kenneth Branagh is a piece of shit. Right, like and when you, when, you, when you've got when the villains are literally like Confederates, like you're gonna you're gonna get racism, but still, that doesn't really excuse the movie being as racist as it is. Like it goes to great lengths. Mm-hmm. There's a, a back and forth battle that they sort of have um, that is ableist versus racist, yeah. ableist <laughs> versus racist, and I get I like I get it. But it's not funny, and I, it wouldn't. It would have made me uncomfortable in 1999. It was exc- 
excruciating to watch in 2019. There really is only one uh, one of those lines that I I still think about and I still think is funny despite my better judgment. And it's the scene it's near the end of the film when like when uh, Loveless and and or you know Kenneth Branagh and Will Smith are hanging off the side of this giant spider and Will Smith's like clinging for dear life. And he says something to the effect of like, you know, how did we get into this wild predicament? And then Will Smith goes, I don't know. I'm as stumped as you are. <laughs> <sighs> I shouldn't laugh at that. But eh, that was, that's a, okay. Okay, Will, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. But um, this movie's now 20 years old. Oh. This movie is 20 years old. And it hasn't aged a day. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad movie. Um and <laughs> in, okay, so let's transition out of this. And in order to sell the public on this film, Will Smith made a rap song about it. Let's hear a few minutes of it, shall we? So this one uh, samples Stevie Wonder's I Wish. Which is an amazing song on its own. It absolutely is. One of his best. One of my favorite songs. Yeah. So this song kind of grew on me. I remember it being played, but it not catching as much as Men in Black. Yeah. But I, I have thought about this song a lot this week. I, I think it's it's definitely a lot kitschier than Men in Black. And I think for that reason, people kind of remember it as being goofier. It's definitely goofier. And right? he describes, th- in this one, he describes the events of the film. He talks yes. about Artemis. He talks about Loveless. So he kind of, he refers to the events of the film and most but mostly himself like artemis gets one line and artemis is really the star of the film because kevin klein is awesome mm-hmm. but this song again is just it's so bizarre you kind of can't stop thinking about it and he, yeah and will smith almost goes a, goes almost too fast for you to keep up like he's yeah. not rapping like at a, at a very high speed but he's he never stops mm-hmm and and then once he does stop, you, it transitions into the chorus, which is uh, Cool Modi and Drew Hill just singing the words Wow Wow West over and over and over again. Yes. And uh, Drew Hill gave us uh, Cisco. Who gave us the thong song. So. Thanks a lot, everybody. Yep. Uh, but the music video is... it. It was kind of at the peak of when like music videos were the most their most lavish and extravagant and ridiculous. Like they put millions upon millions of dollars into making these things. And this video is actually pretty great. It is. It's um It's a seven minute like epic it's kind of a mini sequel to the film. The full video has like kind of a a, a second like a plot where uh Will Smith and Salma Hayek are uh, once again terrorized by Loveless, and he has to go and save her. And in the middle of that, he performs the video. Cool. Um, what <laughs> I like about this video is, um, at least the the sort of shorter version, mm-hmm. is the uh, they replicate Loveless's party. Yes, but it's all uh, it's all people of color, mm-hmm. which I really I really like that uh, because 
that is it's a pretty offensive scene in the movie because it's a confederate party and you're just like these people are gross so to see all of these beautiful black faces in these gorgeous gowns and these great outfits just having a great party you're like yeah okay this this is better it's so. al- it's almost like a, a promo video for the entire Wild Wild West album because Enrique Iglesias appears in it, uh, Babyface appears in it, and I th- I'm pretty sure both of them are on the Wild Wild West album mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, and also one... also appearing in this video for basically no reason, but I think it's fun is Alfonso Ribiera from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Nice. The thing about this video is it really highlights the fact that Will Smith. Not a dancer. He has like four moves, <laughs> no. and two of them are one jazz hand. Basically, yeah. So he sort of lets other people do his dancing for him, and there's some really, really, really great dancing in this video. Just these, this huge elaborate dance number, which I, I'm kind of here for big elaborate costume dance numbers. I will pretend that I'm not, but I absolutely am. Yeah, if, if you can't appreciate a good dance number, then you know, what's wrong with you? Big costume uh, drama. Yeah, of course, dance of number. course. It's great. The other thing about it is that, like, all so all the men are dressed up as, like, you know, these fancy sort of Old West kind of stereotypes. But then all the women are dressed up like basically hookers, like Wild West hookers. Yeah, there, uh, Ian and I were discussing this over dinner tonight. <laughs> there is not a woman in this film who is not a prostitute. I guess Salma Hayek, but eh. no, because she starts out as a prostitute. Oh, re- really? Okay, it's been a while since I have seen Wild Wild West. So, all right, can't believe you didn't rewatch Wild Wild West for this podcast. I'm ashamed of you. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I have... just kind of can't believe my husband actually had this movie. He's like, I like this movie. It's like there's there are so many secrets. I it's 17 years. I do not know about you that you kind of like Wild Wild West is one of them. I'm not <laughs> mad. I just think it's kind of interesting. It would be like if if he if he showed up tomorrow and said, you know what my favorite movie soundtrack is? The soundtrack to Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Why? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's just surprising. I just... Like, but, oh, um, okay. I think he likes the giant spider. Oh, did we mention that Kenneth Branagh gets spider legs? Did we talk about that at all? We mentioned that. He gets spider legs while he's inside the giant spider. He this... sprouts spider legs. <laughs> This like, broke me! At, at exactly the moment that you think Wild Wild West can't get any dumber, it goes and just leapfrogs over itself. He was Hamlet! I was just like, I can't. I, I, can't, I can't process this. We have to move on. Ugh. So, although the story goes, actually going back to the horrible racist uh, exchange, that he kind of didn't want to do it, and Will Smith was like, no, let's go for it. I'm sure he's like, come on, it'll, it'll be fun. Well, no, he said, like, this is what a man would face in this era. So, you know, props to both of them for being willing to, I guess, go there. That's as good a reasoning as any, I guess. Yeah, and I guess what bothers me is, like, how weirdly it's played for laughs. And again, like, this is kind of a family film. It's Barry Sonnenfeld. It's got a giant fucking mechanical spider. Mm-hmm. So to hear, and it's a lot of, again, like very, I mean, the N-word isn't dropped, but things like coon and monkey and a lot of just these really, really yeah, ugly words. Yeah. It's just, it, it's an it's an unpleasant exchange. It really, it really is. So. And, and then on top of that, like there's like major scenes that feature Kevin Klein just leering at Selma Hayek. Yeah. Although, uh, which which honestly, like this is the film that developed my crush on Salma Hayek. So, eh. 
Well, yeah, that scene where she's wearing like the long underwear and then she turns around and the back flap is there and you can see her butt, her like her beautiful sculpted butt. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, I would stare. Um, I am I'm staring. A- I, I- I cannot tell a lie. I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I were both like, man, she's got a good backside. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And then it's Kevin Klein gets tongue-tied and calls her a breast of fresh ass. Which I think is hysterical. Like, and again, like I have such a, I'm a hardcore feminist, but I'm like, that's really funny. He said breast. <laughs> so uh, last two things I'll note about the Wild Wild West video. Uh, on the set, of the making of the video, uh, Drew Hill member Woody Rock decided and announced that he was quitting the group to go back to his gospel career. That makes sense. This kind of, I feel like this would help, would be a real come to Jesus moment. Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, especially when, like, you, you look over and you see your buddy Cisco is getting all the attention. And you're like, mm, I might be done here. Yeah. All right. Uh, um, how did the song chart? The song, uh, let's see here. It, hit, it absolutely hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, because of course it did. Mm-hmm. It's Wild Wild West. How could you not? It also won the 1999 Razzie Award for Worst Original Song, for which it had no competition. Wow. No and other films were nominated for this. That's tough, because 1999, I'm sure, was a nightmare. Um, uh, This film got a lot of Razzies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Conrad, who played Jim West in the original TV series, but this is extremely loosely based on, yes, um, collected three of them in oh, order my, to protest oh, the film. Oh wow, that's amazing! <laughs> so um, they won at, at the Razzies: worst screen couple, worst original song, worst screenplay, worst director, worst picture. Mm. Big year for Wild Wild West. Yes. Also, uh, they retired the worst original song category after this year, because, probably because of this song. What? Yeah, they're just like this is it's like we can't top we can't top Wild Wild West. We just can't yeah. do it. Actually, I take it back. They didn't. They brought it back for exactly one year in two thousand and two when they gave the award to uh, Britney Spears for her Crossroads movie. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is which is odd because. There was a perfectly good Men in Black song they could have shat all over, and they didn't do it. I know. Well. <laughs> Which I guess is as good a, a segue as any <laughs> to yeah, talk right. about Men in Black 2. So Wild Wild West, it cost $170 million to make. At the box office, made $222 million. So it, um, I don't think it's necessarily considered a flop, but it was not the big hit they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. It was not Men in Black. It was not Men in Black. So naturally, uh, when, when you're, your big swing... Uh, strikes out uh you go back to basics so uh barry sonnenfeld and will smith in 2002 brought us men in black 2 so which i also just watched in my sort of will smith-a-thon mm-hmm. watched it last night don't remember anything about it he flashy thinged you again didn't he he did yeah uh this was one i don't know i don't remember this fondly but i don't necessarily remember it poorly either it's just kind of a movie yeah, it's sort of... It's not as good. It's definitely not as good as the first, uh, but it's fine, I guess. And then Black Suits Coming, parentheses, nod your head, is the big hit single for this movie. Quote-unquote hit single. Let's listen to it. Check it. Yo, is this shit right? Serlina, 
making me sick, right? Earth is worthless to her. She be tripping like threatening me in my men's trying to get the light. Thinking she's superwoman, but black kryptonite. Finishing whatever you start, son. The best looking crime fighter since myself in part one. Better act right and play nice and sing along. Cause K is back in the hype. What? Bring it on. See, the, the thing that you'll notice first about black suits coming is that they try really hard to give it this like rock and roll flavor which i feel like is wrong well it's it's 2002 Mm -hmm. and we've we're shifting direction to um like rap metal and just we're heading into a, a really bleak period of music and actually the uh um guitarist for Limp Biscuit, Wes Borland, um, revealed that he had been approached to help uh, compose this theme and turn it down. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but it has those like those heavy metal guitars, plus the weird string section. Yeah. The, the string fills. Um, you know what? And it, there's a you, lot of yelling. You know what it reminds me of the most? This, what? This sounds like it sounds like what you would get if you took the Puff Daddy song Come With Me from the Godzilla soundtrack, and you didn't base it on a Led Zeppelin song, or any song for that matter. <gasps> it's just, it's like generic, crappy rap rock version of a Puff Daddy song. Oh my god. Like oh my you, god, you're right. When you don't have anybody to rip off, this is what you get. Oh my god. Wow. Oh. Hold on. Play, play a clip of uh, Come With Me. In my grass, in my car, and now here's black suits coming there it is there it is it's all it's almost even like a similar guitar riff too yeah it's kind of spooky <laughs> that's crazy um it's just as generically bad, too. Like, I know we said that we both kind of liked the music in Come With Me, but you could tell that, like, people di- did not care as much about the music in this song. Yeah. This song is... What this song achieves, though, is... the It, it takes what started in Wild Wild West, which mm-hmm. is to describe the events of the film, and it it brings that even further. And the second verse is just straight up describing the events of the film. Well, yeah, like name checking the villain, explaining her plan and mm-hmm. just talking about the, like the plot of the movie. Yeah. Bringing back Kay. Yeah. Yeah. So. And my, fa- my favorite uh, line in this is uh, where he, he refers to himself as the best looking crime fighter since myself in part one. I know that's, that's hysterical. It's <laughs> pretty good. But, this really serves such a great purpose for the end credits because you've already forgotten what the movie is about. You're like, okay, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess Lara <laughs> Flynn Boyle did have tentacles and tried to kill people. And Rosario Dawson was in this. That's, that's different. He didn't mention Johnny Knoxville, did he? The less said about that, the better. When, cause that's I, fair. I, I know I had seen this in theaters and remembered nothing about it. So when Johnny Knoxville's second head came out, I was like, who <laughs> we're in for a long night oh boy um and I was I, it, it's it's especially like 
damning because I remember reading at some point that Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, really hated the Men in Bla- first Men in Black movie because he thought they just straight up ripped him off. <gasps> and then here comes Johnny Knoxville with a, a character who has two heads, basically like Zaphod Peoplebrox. So I'm sure he was not nearly as pleased with Men in Black 2. <laughs> no, well, none of us were, I think. I don't think um, so. Yeah, like I said, I have no recollection of how I saw this movie. I know I saw Men in Black 3 uh, at my bachelorette party. It was, like, on TV, and we were just, like, hanging around the hotel room, drinking wine. Like, you know, let's just, it was raining out, so we are like, eh, let's watch Men in Black 3. Huh. Just kind of chilling. It was the, the kind of the first night we sort of done our first dinner loop and everything, and just kind of relaxing in the hotel room, watching Men in Black. I remember nothing about that movie either, but um, I... I literally just watched Men in Black 3 last night. Not really for for research, but just because I realized I had never seen it before. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. better than 2. And Men in Black is such a perfect movie. It it's it's perfect. It's fine. So to make a sequel just makes no sense. I mean, the sequel wasn't bad. Well, I mean, it makes it's just it kind of makes, makes perfect sense to do a sequel to Men in Black because like you have the whole universe and like like as many aliens as you could conceivably come up with to give them a, a backdrop in a Men in Black film. Like, you can go basically anywhere. But they didn't. Then, they went back to K. Exactly. They just keep coming back to the same, like, two or three things over and over again. Yeah. It's sort of like Star Wars films. Like, really, do we have to hear more about the Skywalkers? There's nobody else in the fucking universe. I guess. Well, and, and it, it kind of bears out when uh, the new Men in Black is out and nobody is seeing it because nobody cares about these new characters. Like, it's not Will Smith and it's not Tommy Lee Jones, so why do they want me to go? Yeah. I don't so. know. I, I was going to see it because I love Tessa Thompson, but uh, then I was like, nah. I'll probably see it at some point because, because again, I, I do like Tessa Thompson. And I do like Chris Hemsworth. So at some point I will, but I'm not in any hurry. But yeah, so so we're, we're, we're basically talking around uh, uh, Black Suits coming because it's it's very unremarkable. <laughs> it's ex- And the, the video is extremely 2002. Mm-hmm. It just like the sort of like, Shitty CGI again. Will Smith with his three dance moves. Uh, yeah, and uh, it does call back to the uh, the the lyric in Men in Black: uh, "Make your neck work." It's literally about just nodding your head. <laughs> nodding your head. That's it's, the dance move. People who don't listen to rock music have discovered head banging. Is what this is. Yes. So, <sighs> well, and this video, uh it, it's it's the peak of everything terrible that was going on in 2002. And this one was directed by uh, Francis Lawrence, who you might actually know. Uh, among the litany of music videos he's done, he also directed four, three of the four Hunger Games movies and uh, the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend. Uh, but he also did the video for, uh, for Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. Uh, he did a bunch of videos for... Uh, the Black Eyed Peas, Justin Timberlake, and uh, Destiny's Child and Beyonce. So uh, he's just as responsible for the look of the 2000s as anybody else. And like, this is peak 2002 right here. Eesh. It really so. is. Because well, the, basically the look is Will Smith is performing this song in an outer space like concert arena that's like orbiting the earth. And, and then a creepy alien attacks him. And... and his daughter comes up and gives him a new pair of sunglasses. And oh, it's adorable. Yeah, she's but it's cute. it's just just so much CGI bullshit in this video. Yeah, and it looks really shitty. How did this song do on the Billboard charts? 
This song peaked at number 77 on the Billboard Hot 100. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't uh, last very long. The thing that I think is interesting about all three of these um, movie songs, though, Men in Black, Wild Wild West, and Black Suits Coming, they each appear on uh, Will Smith's like then-current album. Like These weren't just strictly like soundtrack cuts. He also included them on his own albums. Mm-hmm. This one um, uh, appeared on Born to Rain. Yes. But the other thing I think, is, I think is interesting is that while Men in Black and Wild Wild West are both stuck at the ends of those albums, he decided that Black Suits Coming was good enough to put right in the middle of the album. So I don't know if he was embarrassed by the other two or embarrassed by this one and thought, like, if I put it in the middle, no one will notice it. I don't know. It's a pretty embarrassing song. It really is. And... So much that I I don't ever remember hearing this one. I think I I I vaguely recalled it, but ah uh, yeah I don't know. No, no I have I have memories of hearing Wild Wild West of hearing Men in Black. Like I, I knew this song, exi- this song. I knew this song existed. I'll say that. Yeah, but I, I, I it was not nearly as ubiquitous as Men in Black or Wild Wild West. Yes, so. Uh, well, and that's that's seemingly the death knell of the Will Smith movie rap song and of movie raps in general. They sort of peter off at this point. Right. And, he, and and like even among this era, we had stuff like I mean, I think everybody's favorite to mock is uh, LL Cool J's deepest bluest for Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> where he just raps about uh, genetically enhanced sharks. Hey, his hat looks like a shark fin. <laughs> I love it. And actually, uh, among the other, we had uh, Tone Loke doing one for Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these were not these were not confined to Barry Sonnenfeld films. No, and like going even further back, like uh, Bobby Brown did one for Ghostbusters Two, which mm-hmm. is really which is a lot of fun and terrible in its own special way. Well, uh, Ray Parker Jr. It's not a rap, but uh, the Ghostbusters theme song. Mm-hmm. And as as we already mentioned, the Fat Boys got their song on the Nightmare on Elm Street Four soundtrack. So, uh, and it, I'm, I'm sure there are uh, a ton of other ones if we really dug deep and, and went searching for them. Oh, absolutely. But it had a good run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the, uh, the early aughts were upon us, and... Would you, I'm sorry. Would you say that Will Smith killed the genre? No. I think Will Smith was just doing the best he could, and I think we just... We all grew apart. Mm. Oh, it should also be mentioned uh, that... In 2012, when Men in Black 3 came out, there was no Will Smith rap song for the end of this uh, film. However, there is a rap song. It's performed by Pitbull, and it's called Back in Time. And for a, for a brief moment, I was expecting it to be a remake or cover of Huey Lewis's Back in Time. I'm actually a little bit disappointed that it wasn't. Unfortunately, it was not. <laughs> Pitbull, because, you know what to do. Uh, Tell me that wouldn't have been the best thing ever. That kind of would have been. So, well, Pitbull seemed to try to bring back the movie rap, but alas, it just, it wasn't successful. Right. Because I didn't know this song existed until literally yesterday. Yeah. And, Seven years. It's been seven years. This just isn't, it's not something that we see very often anymore. You know, props to Pitbull for trying to bring it back, but alas. Uh, Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, um... However, there is one last, there's been one last attempt to resurrect the movie rap 
theme song. Oh boy. Our Hoping fr- we wouldn't get to this. I know. Well, we have we absolutely have to discuss this. It's happening right now in in your town, ladies and gentlemen. It's happening to your town. <laughs> Will Smith, the original, the one and only, the Fresh Prince, is back at it again with a movie wrap for Disney's Aladdin. Let's go to a clip. Jasmine like the flower is the Ooh. graduation it don't even cost a dollar huh. you got in on the carpet when you rotten wanna holler like hey tell me where you wanna go hold up don't tell me I already know watch out it's a genie with the attitude three wishes what I need to make true Mr. 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 tell me whatever you need anything where your range even climate can change you ain't never had a friend like this is the worst thing I've ever heard I would take nod your head like in a mashup remember when mashups were a thing mm, yeah with wild wild west over this this it's ugly it's lazy it is phoned right the fuck in he's got no flow he is just talking over a beat you could put this podcast over the same beat and it would sound <laughs> basically the same and then dj Khaled is there basically to just say hey it's dj Khaled. i'm also here on this track yeah and- it's the worst so not only is this song just a terrible way to close out this film, which, by the way, neither one of us has actually seen. We've been listening to the music to prepare for the soundtrack, but we haven't actually seen the movie happen. I would not see this movie. You could not pay me enough to see this movie. I sat through like the first probably half hour of Beauty and the Beast because it was mm-hmm. in a double feature with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, another movie that I didn't particularly care about. And it was so dumb and irritating that Ewan McGregor couldn't keep me there. And his performance of uh, Be Our Guest was also fucking lazy. It's it's really terrible. It's so lifeless and, like, just totally, like, off. And yeah. I think that's the thing with a lot of these, like, live-action Disney remakes. They're just kind of sort of off, just, um, just enough that you notice. Yeah, and, and there's I, no life to them. Because... Mm. When all you have is your voice, you have to bring more life to it because you are not physically present there. And so, and I get that the genie is mostly CG anyway, but this is just, I mean, the version that's used in the film, which I also listened to, mm-hmm. is also terrible. Yeah, it's, it's not really any better. Yeah, but it's it, but it's it's, it's more of a retread of the original song than the, than the end credits version is. Which you can't top because... Robin Williams was a genius. Yeah. And could do incredible things. He had incredible control of, of his voice. And Will but Smith put, just doesn't. But Robin Williams put so much like care into like inflecting every little joke along the way in the song that you buy that the genie is like jumping back and forth between these like you know, these characters that he's inventing for himself and, and doing these voices and doing these bits, and it all works. And then Will Smith is his job is to just basically read the lines the like that basically uh Robin Williams invented and he he'll put emphasis on a few of them but not all of them and yeah. when he doesn't you really really notice it stands out yeah and he just sounds uh, on the uh the the end and credits it, version of friend like me he sounds just exhausted just like extremely tired and he's like i'm the genie with the attitude no you are a 50 year old man who is coasting on 90s goodwill and nostalgia that's it you are this genie appeals to like 
four-year-olds who don't fucking know any better and their parents are still trying to party like it's 1999 because their lives are miserable you know who else is trying to party like it's 1999 it's will smith yeah he's he's trying to recapture those yeah it's the willennium and we're all just living in it and he's trying to recapture like that wild wild west energy and he just can't do it because he's 20 years older too everybody yeah so, but it's it, even worse if you go ahead and listen to. I know this is this is the one that like the internet latched onto as being terrible. But if you go and listen to his version of the Prince Ali song, no, I walked right the fuck out. Like that came on like on a commercial, and I'm like, I'm out. Nope. It is even more like stilted and bored than yeah. Friend Like Me is. And that song tends to get stuck in my head. I don't know why, like, of all the songs in Aladdin, and I love Aladdin, despite the fact that it's kind of racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. And that one, just no. No. It's, it's just, it's a, the, the cartoon, the animated version is such a lively, like, bonkers production and then when you put it into a live action setting and hire guy Ritchie to direct it of all people what did you think was gonna happen yeah like that's still like i love guy Ritchie. i think his movies are like his more recent movies are very underrated like his king arthur like is sherlock actually... holmes mm, yeah i like i like sherlock holmes do you not like sherlock holmes oh all right i'm gonna sit i'm gonna stand here and say that king arthur legend of the sword is Way, way better than most people give it credit for. So I was kind of excited to hear that he was like going to do a Disney Aladdin movie. But also at the same time, in the back of my mind, like, really? That guy? You're not going to hire someone who does musicals like for a living? You're no, not going to hire... What's Baz Luhrmann up to? Yeah, what's Baz Luhrmann up to? You're not, you're, so you're going to make an Aladdin that's kind of sort of like an off Bollywood production. And you're not going to hire someone who knows anything about Bollywood? What? Yeah. Yeah, Why? yeah. A, a white guy is the perfect guy to help. A, a British guy, even. Yeah. Like, well, they they do know about imperialism. I, I guess. I mean, I, I just assumed that after after Madonna divorced him, Guy Ritchie would have just sworn off music forever. <laughs> yeah, the Disney know. the Disney remake is it's a it's a bad genre. There are really only maybe one or two like legitimately good ones, and but they keep trying to pump them out because for some reason people keep going to see them because they all have children and. They are just like, sure, whatever. I hate my kids. I hate my life. I guess I'll go see this shit. Oh, yeah. I'm miserable. So the, the only one that I will like defend is the Jungle Book. Also colonial. Also very colonial, but also it, it brought us uh, Dr. John performing the Bare Necessities, which is just wonderful. Okay. I didn't it's, see it's, it. I don't... It's, it's wonderful. Wow. We lost Dr. John very recently, too. Yeah, so rest in peace. But... Um... No, the, the, I, I just, no, I, I don't, yeah. I don't do them. The Aladdin one looks so horrible and anger inducing. Also, Friend Like Me is very triggering for me really? because I was in show choir oh. and we used to have to do it. And you think Will Smith's dance moves are crap? You haven't seen the Cobblesgill Richmondville High School show choir doing Friend Like Me. It I makes will... it look like the video. It makes Men in Black. It makes Nod Your Head look like Smooth Criminal. Oh. Ouch. It is not good. So I'll I have take like, your word for that. I have like a weird thing about friend like me. <laughs> Makes me slightly uncomfortable. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Will Smith is once again tearing up the charts to uh, destroy America, I guess, is how I'll put it. 
So, uh, oh, oh just... also, it came out just this afternoon as we were prepping this episode. Aladdin has beaten Independence Day to become Will Smith's highest grossing feature film. You people are monsters. How could this, you do this to America? This world is a garbage planet, and I want off. And just before the 4th of July, do you people not love Independence Day? Do you people not love your country? I'm just, I'm disappointed, really. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <sighs> you people. You people and your, and your, your Disney's. Yeah. I swear. Could have had it all. We could have had it all, America. Disney is going to become the only company that gets to own any intellectual property, but that's okay because they own X-Men now, and X-Men can be in an Avengers movie. Okay, is Will Smith going to rap you, about it? I don't yeah, know. He, yeah, he's he's going to... He, hey, uh, he didn't do a rap for Suicide Squad. Where's our Suicide Squad rap? Hey, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, people? <laughs> Where's our uh, The Pursuit of Happiness rap? Oh, that's that's, that's a that's good gonna question. That's going to be our poll. Like, what, what Will Smith movie would you like to see a rap for? Which Will Smith movie should have gotten a rap song? And I'm going to say it right here, right now. The Legend of Bagger Vance. So, having said that, I think that's going to be where we leave it uh, this week, people. Oh, my God. So, when we release this episode on the 4th of July, we'll have the poll up and running, ready for you. So, go and vote for that on Twitter, at OST Parties, where you can find that, and us. Libby, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter or at record underscore Saturday on Instagram. Where can they find you, Joe? I can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat. Or if you want to hear me talk about Christmas movies, uh, go to at Christmas Creeps on Twitter or ChristmasCreeps.com. This past week, if if you think I sound a little scratchy right now, you should listen to our most recent episode where I sounded like a frog was strangling me from the inside my own throat. (laughs) It was horrifying. Aww. But the, sh- the show must go on. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, what are we doing next time? Next time on the show, you and I are going to teach our listeners something about uh, quality cinema. Uh, it's your favorite and mine. We're going to talk about the soundtrack to 1996's My Fellow Americans. Still more fun than watching the uh, debate. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. excited about this. This. My fellow, I've never really thought about the soundtrack to My Fellow Americans, but this movie is fucking hysterical. The soundtrack is lots of uh, sort of uh, 60s classics and cool. like classic rock standards. So I think we'll have a good time with it. But are, um, we're, we're under 50. Have any of us ever heard of these songs? No, probably not. But that's part of the fun of the show is we get to discover new music along the way. <laughs> Eat a dick, BuzzFeed. <laughs> Fuck you, BuzzFeed, and good night. So for (laughs) OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Yeah, man, back when you was an agent, you used to love getting flushed. Yeah, every Saturday night, you'd be like, flush me, Jay, flush me. I'd be like, no.